Hello, everyone. Welcome to Celtic Preacher. It is podcast 204. Have you noticed how easy it is to fall into bad habits? I mean, they kind of sneak up on you, right? You commit to something simple, like you want to change the way you eat or you want to exercise more. Or you tell yourself, well, I'm not going to allow this person or this situation to make me all reactive. I'm not going to, I'm not going to let this happen anymore. And then before you know it, you're doing the very thing that you don't want to do. It's a common thing, isn't it? Actually, uh, this is one of the passages in Scripture. Even the, the Apostle Paul, the one who wrote three quarters of the New Testament, struggled with this and he actually wrote about it that he would say you know I've got this desire to do the right thing and I've got this desire to do what's good but I can't always carry it out and I have this struggle within me Paul said the apostle because I find myself pulled in directions I don't want to go And this is a part of being human. This isn't something that we'll ever grow out of, that's for sure. We're always going to have this inner tension. Uh, I think the best thing that can happen is is that we recognize the inner tension. And, uh, you know, give ourselves some choices. We always have a choice which way to go. But we're always going to have the, 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 the tension. Now, one of the, so anyway, these bad habits I was talking about, one of the bad habits that we easily fall into is thinking that we can manage and control or sort of power over this inner tension by sheer willpower. So we have our spiritual life, we have our emotional lives, And we're thinking to ourselves, okay, I want to make these changes. This is how I want to live. And then we can sometimes get the idea that, okay, I can do this. I just need to apply myself. I need to manage this and control it. And and by sheer willpower, I will do this. And this is a problem because uh, this is actually not what Jesus teaches And, you know, we're always trying to follow his example. And he didn't live this way. He didn't muscle through life. It it wasn't the way he taught. It wasn't the way he modeled living at all. He really wasn't about trying hard and striving and making things happen that we think need to happen. You know, we use our skills, we use our personalities, we use our, whatever our winning strategy is, right? Whatever we've found in the past gets us what we want. This is what we do. We bring all this into our spiritual life. And then we wonder why it doesn't work, right? Why we're still doing the same things that we did five years ago, and we're not making much headway. So I'm going to talk about that this morning, you know, some of this, the things that really, why we don't make much headway. Yeah, it's, it's a common way to live in the world, 
the striving and forcing things to happen and ma manipulating, really. Uh, even if we think, you know, it's, there's good reason for it. It's not really the way, the example that Jesus gave on how to live in this world. In fact, in some ways, it's the absolute opposite. Now, today, I'm going to be looking at just a, a short passage, really, on the very beginning of Jesus teaching his ministry, his outreach. You know, we've just celebrated Christmas, so we're familiar with the birth accounts. But interestingly enough, in the scripture, if you were to take the New Testament and you were reading the New Testament, you would read about the, the accounts of, of Jesus' birth in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And then there's nothing else mentioned until like he's like 30 years old. So there's this, there's decades of nothing much recorded. There's a single incident when he's 12, when he got lost. And, uh, but really, there's nothing much in the scripture until the whole thing begins when he's 30. His, whole, his teaching begins and the calling of the disciples and all the miracles and all the sermons or whatever, that, that only starts you know, when he's 30 years old. And the first thing that happens before he teaches, before he calls the disciples, before anything happens, is, is that he's baptized, which is interesting. The first thing that happens before he starts to teach, before he starts to heal, before he calls his disciples is he is baptized. And that word, by the way, baptize, it just means to immerse. It means to wash. It's like washing. It's like pouring. And uh, the original word baptizo, we get the word baptize. It just means like you're dunking something in water, basically. And it was a pretty common ritual in the ancient times. They did a lot of rituals with water. Not so much with us nowadays. I don't know if we have really any rituals apart from maybe baptism in the Christian church. But in the ancient times, they used water a lot. It was highly symbolic of cleansing and purity. And so one of the things that happens with Jesus before he starts his ministry is, before he starts his teaching is, is that he is immersed in the Jordan River by his cousin, John the Baptizer. And I'll not go into all John's uh, story because I've, I've covered that a number of times in the past, but what I do want to point out is, is that before Jesus does anything, he is baptized in the Jordan River. And the passage tells us that when he's dunked into the water of the Jordan, the heavens open up and the power of God comes down and remains in him. The Holy Spirit, the power of God, the life force of God descends upon him and stays there. Now, this Holy Spirit, this idea of the Holy Spirit, it's all really about empowerment. Actually, in many places, both in the Hebrew scripture and in the New Testament, whenever you hear about the Holy Spirit, 
there's usually something new happening or something new being birthed. So, for example, you'll see the Holy Spirit mentioned way, way back in the first book of the Hebrew Bible in Genesis. You'll see the Spirit hovering on the water. And this is sort of like the prelude to the creation. So anytime the Holy Spirit's mentioned, it's usually about something new's happening, something new's being birthed, something new is coming about. And after the Spirit comes, um, after Jesus' this baptism, that, it's only after the Spirit comes that he feels like he is equipped to do what he needs to do. So for Jesus, the, to receive this power is essential for life. It's like he's saying, I'm not even beginning anything until I feel like, until I know uh, that I'm filled with or given what I need to do the task. So for Jesus, for living, it's like I'm not just muscling through in my own strength here. Um, and he would say to us, and I'm certainly, I certainly don't expect you to do this either. We need a helper. We need a helper. I didn't do anything until the helper came. And that helper is called the Holy Spirit. So one of the things that Jesus models is to embark on any kind of change at all. Without the helper, Jesus would say, that's impossibly difficult. That's, not, that's no way to live. And one of the ways that he shows us how to live is learning how to rely on this helper, this what we call the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God, the breath of God. It's got many, many names, but it's God, right? Maybe that's the simplest way. It's God, the Holy Spirit. Now, here's something that I noticed this reading that I, I've probably seen it before, but it didn't really make an impact on me the way that it did this week. There's something I noticed when Jesus was baptized. The heavens open up and this voice says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. So when he's baptized, which is basically a dedication. In the church today, actually, uh, baptism is, is a dedication. It's like, yeah, I'm, I am open for this. I am, yeah, count me in. Count, sign me up. That's what it is. And if you're, of course, if you're a, a baby, then you can't say that. Then your, your parents would say it for you. But if you're growing up, you'd say, yeah, count me in. So it's really an affirmation that you want to follow, this whole idea of the of baptism. But here's what happened when he was baptized. When he's baptized, the heavens open and this voice says, this voice presumably being God, right? This is my son with whom I am well pleased. This is my child that I love and I am well pleased. Now, the reason that this is important is because, and, and this is very difficult for us to receive this at many levels, 
before Jesus does anything, he is loved and accepted. Before he does anything, So why is that important? Most of us get our value because of something that we do or who we are, right? It's usually about accomplishments of sorts. Most people get their worth, their identity, why they're lovable, basically, from what they do. I'm of value because... You know, I'm here for Harry, or I'm a good parent, or I'm a good grandparent, or I am um, a successful person. Career-wise, I've really done pretty well. Therefore, I am I'm worthy. I'm, a, I'm, I, I'm lovable, or I have enough money. I have more than enough money. I feel pretty good about myself. Or most people get their sense of self-worth, although the scripture doesn't use that term because they didn't use that term in those days, but we know what it means. We get our self-worth from how we look. We have to look a certain way, dress a certain way, our possessions. Um, If we have the right education. Uh, Well, this is, I'm talking about in the circles here in North California. Uh, you know, we get a lot of um, self-worth out of the right education, having enough money, trying to do a good job, the skill sets we have, status, I'm responsible, people like me, look how many likes I have on my Instagram account, I'm worth something. Our culture grooms us for this. And um, we pick it up automatically, this is important, you need this, this is what makes you valuable. If you don't have this, or if you lose this, you're a failure. So if you don't have the right appearance, well, then you're not up to much, and, and you're, you're not that important. Or if you don't get the job you want, or you can't get a job, it's like, well, you're a bit of a loser, you're a failure, aren't you? Or if you, um, if you don't have the skill that's needed. It's like, well, you're a failure. You know, so we get our sense of self-worth from what other people say about us or what our culture says is important. And of course, that will vary from culture to culture. But here in the West, a lot of it has to do with possessions and appearance and... um, you know, success, identity. And it was just struck me that when Jesus was baptized, before he accomplished anything, any miracles, any teaching, any disciples, anything, the beginning point before he could do anything was, this is my child that I love and I am well pleased with, God says. This is my child. Well, what has he done? He hasn't done anything yet. He's just my child and that's enough. 
and I am well pleased. The beginning point was complete and total love and acceptance. That's the beginning point with God. Now, it's very difficult to receive this. Don't know why, but it is. It's very difficult to receive this. Maybe it's because it's not the way the world works. But it's not... Love and acceptance and worth is according to the scripture, according to Jesus' understanding. It isn't something that you work toward and it's not something that you achieve and it's not something that you win. And it's not something that you can strive for and then get it. It's more about, it's part of your identity as a child of God. That's who you are. Now, it depends, it depends who you're going to listen to in the world because there's, in the world that we live in, you, there's, there's like two voices that you can listen to. There's God who's going to say, you are my child and I love you and I am well pleased. And then you're going to have a million other voices other than God's voice tell you other things. I think that's why maybe it's so difficult to receive this. Because we tend to get this backwards. We tend to think, if I try my best and if I accomplish what I need to accomplish, and if I succeed, therefore, if I do all these things, and I have enough money, and I have the right house, and I have the right job, and I have the right family set up, then I am worthy of love and acceptance. And then God comes along and says, uh, mm, yeah, we're not going to do things that way. That, that's the world's way. We're not going to do things that way. Well, that's not going to be our starting point. We're going to begin with acceptance and belonging and worth. That's who you are. That's your identity. You're a child of God. And because you are a child of God, you have worth. Now, anything that you do of value, well, that's nice in the world. That's a good thing, right? But it's gravy. I mean, it's not going to make any difference whether you accomplish or don't accomplish in some ways because it's not really dependent on you. I suppose it's similar to a really good parent who has unconditional love for their child. It's like, look, I am committed to love you whether you change or not. I mean, yes, I want you to grow and I want you to be strong and I want you to be happy and I want you to be content. But you know what? If you're not, <laughs> I'm, I'm still going to love you. This, it's not going to change anything because you're my child. And that's what I do, right? I, that's what I do. I love you. That's it. End of story. It's like that's where the starting, the beginning point is with God. Now, in church language, the, we call it grace. Um, we don't use that word so much outside the church, but that's basically what grace is. It's like, our beginning point is really not 
about what you think you are. Because the scripture we teach, you don't even know who you are. You're listening to all the wrong voices. So let me tell you who you are. You're a child of God. And you're loved. And God is well pleased with you. That's the starting point. Otherwise, life is one big proving ground. And for God, it's like, you don't need to prove anything to me. I don't need anything from you. You don't need to prove anything to me. You're my child. That's who you are. And I'm already pleased. So don't fall into the bad habit of thinking that you can win or lose my love or my acceptance. Because I don't work the way the world works. You see, with the world, people change all the time. Sometimes they might like you, they might approve of you, they might think you're great. And then a few months later or a few years down the road, well, you did something wrong or they, you know, they changed their mind and you're no longer the best thing since sliced bread. So you sort of can move in and out of people's favor very, very easily. If you do what they want you to do and if you say what you want them to this, them say, then, you know, then they're, you're favorable. And uh, yeah, they like you and you're affirmed. And, but then again, you can lose that very, very quickly. You know, I'm sure we've all experienced that. You know, at one point, somebody thinks you're the best thing since sliced bread. And then six months later, something's changed. And it's like, nah, don't want to be around you anymore. I'm out of here. Well, you know, if your whole sense of self, your self-esteem is tied up with the approval of other people, we could become a bit of a mess very quickly, couldn't we? Because that means if people like us, we're feeling good about ourselves. And then if they don't like us, then we're not feeling good about ourselves. But to have our identity in, well, what the scripture says, uh, to have our identity in Christ, or meaning if our first identity isn't about what we accomplish and who we are and what we've done, if it's just in the mere fact that we are a child of God, that never ever changes. Our lives change. We go through all the ups and downs of life, but one thing never changes. From the beginning to the end, we're always a child of God. And our standing's always, always the same. Now, what this can do for us is, is that when we go through times where we're not sure of our footing in this world, or we feel like we don't belong, or we feel like uh, nobody really understands me. Or if we go through times where I don't like myself. Or I don't really think I am a lovable person or worth. Uh, I don't really think I'm worth that much. You know, some of us struggle with low self-esteem. Think of the difference it makes when you become aware of what voice you're listening to. 
Because if you're listening to all the people around, as in the world's voices, that could bring you down pretty fast, couldn't it? But if you start to listen to what God says, which is you're, you're a child of God, you are completely loved and accepted, and I'm well pleased with you. I delight in you. That changes everything. You know, if that starts to actually seep into us, <laughs> that starts to make a difference. We get a bit more stable. We become stronger. We can start to make decisions that maybe we don't need the approval of, of everyone around us. We can start to be more independent in what we think and what we feel and how we move ahead, as Jesus was. I mean, he wasn't exactly apologetic, was he, when he went through life? He had a strong sense of direction, had a strong sense of purpose. He didn't have to have the approval of everyone around him. If he did, he certainly wouldn't have ended up on a cross, right? So something to think about, something to ponder, just this whole idea of what do you think about yourself? And are you thinking about yourself in the right way? Because I think we have a choice in what voice are we going to listen to? Are we going to listen to the voices around us tell us who we are? And if we're successful or not, or if we're worthwhile or not, or are we going to listen to the one who created us and put us together? Because that would make a massive difference in how we move forward in the new year. Yeah, something to, something to think about at the start of the year. I am who you say I am. Yeah, I am who you say I am. I am chosen. I am loved. I am accepted. Thank you for joining me. You've been listening to Celtic Preacher. Join with me again next week for another episode.